Well, good evening, y'all. And happy Lord's Day. Thank you. Guys, I have some great news to tell you. It's profound. It's going to blow your minds. You ready? Three simple words. God loves you. Amen. Amen? Profound truth, right? God loves you. I don't know if we really hear that enough, right? That God really, really loves you. You know, a number of years ago, shortly before COVID hit, well, that went a number of years, a few years ago, um, there was a, a pew study taken. And uh, in this pew study, they took the average Catholic in the pews, and they asked them, do you believe that God wants to have a personal relationship with you? Only 40% said yes. Less than half of Catholics believe that God loves them. That he wants to have a personal relationship with each of us. Like that is, that is staggering, right? Because it's a simple truth that we're told from whenever we're kids and we believe it as a kid and then somehow we grow up and all of a sudden we forget the simple, profound truth. God loves me profoundly. And that love, this is the coolest thing, the love of God is not contingent upon my love for him. It doesn't matter whether I love him or not. It doesn't matter whether I'm an atheist or not. It's not going to change His love for me and for you. It is absolutely, completely, 100% unconditional. I could be the worst sinner in the world, and God would still love me as if I was Mother Teresa or John Paul II. His love doesn't change. It is always, forever, directed towards us, given to us. God loves you, right? There's that wonderful scripture verse. I think most of you know it. You know John 3, 16, right? Say it along with me. For God so hated the world. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, no. He loved the world, right? Not hated the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He didn't say he gave his only servant. He didn't say he gave his only slave. He loved us so much, He gave His only Son to us. This relationship that Jesus has with the Father is given to us for us to enjoy. This is the great gift. And I think sometimes we lose sight of that. That we have a Father who wants to be in relationship with us. I mean, isn't that how Jesus taught us how to pray? Whenever He spoke to the apostles, they said, Master, teach us how to pray. John taught his disciples how to pray. Will you teach us how to pray? And what does he say? He said, whenever you pray, say, our slave master. (laughs) No, our Father who art in heaven, right? He puts us in relationship to God as a son and a daughter. Like, that is absolutely incredible. No other spiritual master had ever done something like that. It's Jesus who brings us into relationship to the Father. And so everything we go through in life, no matter what we go through, no matter what road we take or how far we think we may be from God, the truth and reality never changes. God loves you. He's your Father And we can always return back to Him. That's the good news of the Gospel. 
And why do I bring that up? Well, because it's rooted very deeply in what we're going to talk about in the Gospel today with the temptations of Jesus. So in Mark's Gospel, it says Jesus, the Spirit drove Jesus out into the desert to be tempted by Satan. Well, if you back up just a little bit, what was Jesus doing before the Spirit drove him into the desert? He had been baptized by John, right? And it was in that baptism that Jesus enters into the River Jordan and the Holy Spirit comes down upon him. The sky opens up. It tears open. The Holy Spirit comes down and the voice of the Father is heard. This is my beloved Son, with whom I'm well pleased. After that experience of hearing the Father tell Jesus, You are my Son. I'm pleased with you. The Spirit then drives Jesus into the desert for 40 days and 40 nights to be tempted by Satan. Now Jesus, this is, this is tough Jesus, right? This is manly Jesus. This is courageous Jesus. I don't know about you, but to go out into the wilderness, into the desert, with no gun, no knife, no fire, no nothing, no food, no drink. That's incredible. That's the character of Jesus. He's not a wimp. He is this incredible stud of a guy, right, that is going out to fight Satan. <laughs> How does he do it? Well, Matthew's Gospel actually gives us a, a better idea of what this fight looks like because Jesus in today's Gospel is going to teach us how to fight through temptations. And that's what we want to tease out and reveal to us today, all right? So here's what happens. Jesus gets tempted three times. And this is at the end of the 40 days. Because you can imagine how weak his humanity was, right? You try not to eat for 40 days. That's tough. I get cranky and moody if I don't eat on one day. Imagine 40. And so it's the end of it, and Satan comes to Jesus. And he says to him, listen close. If you were the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. Right? Notice what Satan goes after first. It's not the food. The first thing he goes after is Jesus' identity. If. If you're the Son of God. Proven. You get it? He's, there's something very much in the masculine heart that we want to prove ourselves. You challenge me to something, and, and I'm going to want to step up to the challenge, right? And so Satan's saying, if you're him, if you are the Son of God, prove it by taking these stones and turning them into, into bread. Right? And Jesus could have easily, see, that would have been me. I'd have fallen that temptation number one. I'd have been like, yeah, I'm going to show you, buddy. I am who I say I am. Poof. Bread, and the best of bread, right? So Satan is striking first at Jesus' identity, of which he had just heard in, the, in the, uh, the baptism. If you're the Son of God, prove it. So what does Jesus do? Jesus, number one, doesn't give in to it. And number two, he doesn't enter into conversations with Satan. That's, that's key in this, okay? In, in my world... Whenever I hear all these voices in my head, which I'm sure you hear them too, all these lies that go on in my head, I entertain them. Or sometimes they entertain me. I don't know, one of the two. But though they get entertained, right? Jesus doesn't entertain it. What does he do? He quotes scripture. He says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. 
Jesus quotes scripture the way Catholics quote scripture, right? He just quotes it, but he doesn't know where it comes from. It's really kind of cool. But that's Deuteronomy chapter 8, all right? <laughs> all right, right. Um, and so Jesus just simply quotes the scripture, and Satan is defeated on that one, right? Boom, Satan walks off, and he comes back again for round two. He comes back to Jesus, and he takes Jesus up to the top of the pinnacle of the temple, which would basically be like the bell towers at St. Joseph Co-Cathedral. Takes him way up there, and he says to him, now this one blows my mind. Again, listen. If you're the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He will give His angels charge over you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And He will raise you up on eagle's wings. I don't like that song. <laughs> What's happening here? Besides your priest is going crazy. Um, <laughs> what just took place is that Satan is telling Jesus, if you're the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. And then Satan quotes the Bible. And he quotes it like Catholics. He doesn't say the verse. But this is Psalm chapter 91, verse 11 through 12. Satan is quoting Scripture to the Son of God in order to tell him, so if you don't throw yourself down, number one, you're not the Son of God, and number two, you're disobeying the Word of God. <laughs> you getting it? So he's testing him. And this is how Jesus responds. Jesus responds by quoting Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 16. He says, again it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Deuteronomy 6, 16. All right, and so that's round two. He just got punched in the face again. And so he, then he takes Jesus up to the top of the mountain. And now this one is intense. He brings Jesus to the top of the mountain, and he shows Jesus all the kingdoms of the world in all of their glory. And you've got to imagine, like this is phenomenal, right? All the kingdoms. We don't know exactly what those kingdoms were, but it could have been everything from beginning of time until the end of time. He could have seen America up on top of that mountain. We don't know, but he shows them all the kingdoms in all of their glory. And listen to what he says to him. He says, all of these I will give to you. Okay, so stop right there. If Satan has the authority to give the kingdoms to the Son of God, then that means that Satan is the prince of this world up until this point. And Jesus' mission, this is important, Jesus' mission is to come down to the earth to receive and take back the kingdom and bring it to the Father. He's come to reclaim the kingdom. This is striking at the very heart and the mission of Jesus. This is why He came. It's to bring the kingdoms back to the Father because they were lost whenever Adam and Eve fell. So Jesus sees the kingdoms in all of their glory. He says, I will give these all to you. Here's the condition. If you fall down and worship Me. So Jesus can have all of it 
if what? If he falls down and worships Satan. Now guys, this has got to be an unbelievable temptation for Jesus. Because this is why he came. He came to bring back the kingdom for the Father. But Satan is telling him right here, look, I will give it all to you. I will give you the kingdom without the cross. You're not going to have to suffer. I'll just give it all to you. You can have it. You don't have to suffer for it. You just got to worship me. What an intense moment. Right? How did Jesus have the strength to turn that one away? Right? It was, it was handed to him on a silver platter. And he, he turns it away and he looks at it and says, Be gone, Satan. For it is written, You shall not worship the Lord your God, and Him alone shall you serve. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 13. Jesus wouldn't have had to suffer. He could have done what He wanted to do. But that's not how we're built, is it? We want to have our reward. We want to put forth our efforts, right? And a side little, side little note. Um, a few years back, um, there was, uh, I was involved with rodeos and stuff. Many of y'all know that. And there was a homily that I gave, and a buddy of mine, he was a pro rodeo guy. He sent it to another pro rodeo guy. His name was uh, Roy Cooper. Now, Roy Cooper, um, back in the day, was, he was, I don't know, he was kind of like the Joe Montana of football, right? I mean, Joe Montana had, you know, four Super Bowl rings. Roy Cooper had four world championship roping, right? This guy was incredible. And what would happen if Joe Montana just one day decided to give you one of his rings? Wouldn't that be kind of cool? You're like, yeah, this is Joe Montana's Super Bowl ring. One of the four. This is kind of cool, right? But you wouldn't want to wear it, would you? Because people would go like, oh, wow, you went to the Super Bowl? You're like, no, it's Joe Montana's. You know, <laughs> I didn't work for it. I didn't put in the effort. I didn't do any of that stuff, right? We want to work for it in order to overcome those things, right? To have a little bit of pride in what we do. Well, I'd given this homily, and my buddy sent it to Roy Cooper, and whatever Roy was going through, I don't know, but the Lord used these simple words of mine and touched his heart. And so he sent me one of his buckles. Um, and he told my buddy, Lance, he said, give this to that little priest because he touched my heart. And I thought it was super cool, right? And so I was at one of the rodeos and I had my collar on and I put, I put it on my, you know, I put it on. <laughs> Picture that. No, don't. It was weird. It was the weirdest thing because I was like, this just don't fit right. You know, like, I didn't, I didn't win that buckle. It's not mine. It wasn't my guts. It wasn't my glory. Like, I don't, I don't deserve to be wearing this kind of a buckle, right? So it was just this really, really weird thing. But it was teaching me, like, like we, nobody wants them to just hand you everything on a silver platter, right? If someone came up to Coach Seth and said, man, you know, you guys are playing great, but look, I just want to give you the championship. You don't have to work about it. You don't have to, like, practice ever again. I just want to give you the championship. Would you want it? No. He didn't work for it. And so what we see Jesus doing today is the, the kingdom is given to Jesus. He can have it. He doesn't have to work for it. He can just receive it. But he doesn't want it that way. He wants to be given from the Father. God so loved the world, He gave His only Son so that whoever believes in Him might not perish but may have eternal life. You see, if Jesus would have cut it short and went the easy route, 
we would have never been saved. We had never been saved. But because Jesus went to the cross and He did it the right way, He entered into this fight with Satan he, and He won. And whenever Satan thought he won victory at the death of Jesus on the cross, that was exactly the moment where all of hell trembled because, because Satan lost at that moment. Right? And so this is what we're called to in Lent. That's what Lent's about, is right here. These 40 days that Jesus went through is exactly what Lent is about. And so if this is what Lent was about for Jesus, it was a battle, then that's no less true for you and I. Lent has got to be a battle for us. And if your battle is that you're addicted to chocolate, then give chocolate up. But if that's not your battle, then don't give chocolate up. Whatever it is that is your battle, and we all have our own battles. I have mine, you have yours. Let whatever it is that I'm giving up for Lent or that I'm doing extra for Lent directly affect that battle. Let it engage you in that battle. right? And that's why I asked on Ash Wednesday that we take on a parish penance to pray the rosary every single day as an entire parish. It's not too late. We're only a few days in. Pick up the rosary every single day and begin praying that. Why? Because this is our weapon. And we need this weapon in our time, in this world, in our life today. You want to know, how do I pray? How do I get closer to God, Father? Just pray the rosary. Start there. Why? Because it fights the way that Jesus taught us how to fight. That's why. Whenever we begin to get tempted, start with that one decade of the rosary. Right? I would say this, try it for a week. The first thing you do in the morning, what you give your first five minutes to in the morning will determine the rest of your day. At least it's true for me. If the first thing I do is grab my phone and I start checking emails, I'm anxious the rest of the day because of everything that i got to start doing. But if my first five minutes I give that to God, then that sets the pace for my day. So here's an easy solution of how we fight in this battle is to pick up the rosary. Your first five minutes, grab, grab your cup of coffee and pray your first decade of the rosary. Why? Because it's the Scriptures. The angel Gabriel comes to Mary. Right? Luke's Gospel, chapter 1. And then you get your day ready. You go take your shower, you do what you got to do. Somewhere in the middle of the day, you have a little break, you have three to five minutes, do your second decade of the rosary. Announce that mystery. Second decade. Mary visits her cousin Elizabeth. Right? Luke chapter 4. So those sorts of things. Work your way through the rosary each day. And you'll begin to find that these battles that you're having, sometimes those battles in our mind, those cravings of the flesh, the, the things that we want to act out on, those will begin to lessen. And whenever they do pop up, what do I do with them? Don't engage them. Don't talk to them. Grab the rosary and announce the next decade. That's what we do with them. Whenever anger rises up in our heart, don't give in to the anger. Announce the next decade of the rosary. Take a time out. That's how we fight. Right? That, at least that's how Jesus teaches us how to fight. In this battle of what we call Lent. And so in this Mass today, name it. 
Name where you're at. Where's the battle right now? What's going on? Name it. And ask Jesus to speak to it. The enemy's talking right to it. He's doing a good job at it. But ask Jesus to speak to it. And let something in the word that was spoken today, the word that is given at Mass, be that which you take home with you and you just repeat over and over, right? And let the word of God be the sword of the Spirit that sets us free. Amen? Amen.